Welcome to USA Football's Coach and Coordinator Podcast, where top football coaches from around the country share their stories, philosophies, concepts, and strategies to help you get better on and off the field. Now, here's your host, Keith Grabowski. Hey, coaches, before we get going today, I just wanted to thank you for all you've been doing to support this podcast. And we have an incredible lineup coming up here. We have just about every major college conference represented. We have a ton of FBS coaches, Division II coaches, Division Three coaches, some great high school fo- football coaches coming on the podcast to share with you and help you grow professionally during this time. I really appreciate all of you asking your questions on Twitter. Please follow me at Coach K Grabowski for our daily updates on our guests and your opportunity to ask questions. We will read them on the show and attribute those to you. Um, so please contribute to the show as much as you can. I also want to talk to you a little bit about our football development model, which is something we've rolled out here at USA Football. And this is really for you to uh, be able to help your youth football programs develop. It's about a long-term athlete development plan and something that comes off of the American development model, which is something that the USOC has put together. The idea is that we're able to teach skills in a progression starting at the youngest ages. We're also looking at the different game types we have, whether that's flag, which is non-contact, limited contact games like padded flag or tackle bar and full contact and the right progressions for contact teaching there as well. Be sure to check out all we do at footballdevelopment.com and check out what we're doing with the FDM, the football development model at usafootball.com backslash fdm.usafootball.com. On today's podcast, we talk to the offensive coordinator, tight ends, fullbacks coach from national champion, North Dakota State University, Tyler Roll. Tyler was an All-American running back and four-year letterman at North Dakota State from 2004 to 2008. He returned to his alma mater as a tight ends and fullbacks coach in 2014 and was elevated to offensive coordinator in 2019. And we're really excited to be talking to him here today. We have a ton of questions from our listeners. So, Coach, uh, welcome to our show. Thank you. Really appreciative to, to have me on and just this this weird time that we're in and for, for you to be able to take time to, you know, really invest in us coaches and turn this, turn this negative into a positive is really, you know, gratifying, gratifying to all of us. Oh, absolutely. And I can tell you coach by uh, the response I've been putting, anytime I get a new guest lined up, I put a a little tweet out and say, what questions you have for him. And so far you have uh, been the guy who's, gotten the most questions so uh, we have a lot here for that but before we get into it I do want to share your journey through coaching I think all of us have a unique path to to get to where we are right now and uh, as I mentioned yours is a lot of it's gone through North Dakota State but let's go back to the beginning for you at some point uh, you decided the coaching profession is for me what inspired you to become a coach yeah you know what I mean, growing up right here in Fargo and, and, and playing at NDSU had a lot of great mentors. You know, we were a part of Coach Bull's first recruiting class here at NDSU. You know, our class was really the, the one who laid the foundation as far as just bridging the gap from Division Two to Division One. With that transition period, we just didn't have the opportunity to play in the playoffs. You know, had some FBS wins in there, and, you know, our last two years we went went 10-1. and one. 
you know, my, my sophomore and junior year, we went 10 and one and 10 and one, including in, uh, a win against the big 10 opponent. And, you know, having those, you know, unbelievable people around you and, and mentors and, and guys like Coach Bowl, definitely, Pat Perlis, Tim Polisek, Brent Vegan, Steve Lockway, a bunch of guys who you really look up to, learn a lot from, see how they live their life. They're, they're great teachers of the game, bring a bunch of passion and energy, guys that I, uh, you know, aspired to be. And once I was done playing at NDSU, had the opportunity to play in the NFL. And a guy, the guy who recruited me to North Dakota State was Gus Bradley. And Gus is uh, the defensive coordinator of the Chargers. But at the time, Gus was the defensive coordinator of the Seahawks. And, you know, towards the conclusion of the draft in 2009, had a bunch of calls as far as, you know, undrafted free agency. And, you know, one team was actually potentially going to pick me late. Um, but all that passed. And the guy that, that called me up, right as the draft ended was Gus Bradley. Uh, you know, he, he told me about Seattle, the Seahawks, their vision, how they would see me fitting in. And I took that opportunity. Um, and then unfortunately tore my ACL in, in OTAs and they kept me on the team on IR for the 2009 season. And then once there was a head coaching change, wasn't in the plans there, had an opportunity with the Vikings and, uh, didn't work out there. They had drafted Toby Gerhardt and were both similar style running backs. And then was kind of wondering, what do I do? <laughs> you, know, what, you know, what's the plan? And I always just in the back of my mind wanted to be around football, you know, really as a player enjoyed, enjoyed practice, really enjoyed practice, enjoyed meetings, enjoyed the whole process of football and not just the games. So, you know, Terry Horan, who's at Concordia College in Moorhead, right across the river here, from Fargo, uh, called me up and, you know, just, I mean, this was early July and was wondering what I was going to do and had an opportunity for me to, to go over there and coach the running backs. And actually they've got a, a junior varsity squad in division three football and said I could call the junior varsity plays and I'd never called plays before, but it was an opportunity for me to get out of my comfort zone and, you know, kind of be thrust into a leadership position and took it and ran with it. And uh, they're, they are triple options. So to learn a, a new style of offense was, was really good for me. I still tried to install a little bit of the a gap power there uh, and do some of my core beliefs that I played with at, at NDSU. And after that season, there was a graduate assistant position open up here at NDSU and uh, coaching the running backs. So you got in touch with with Coach Bowl and, and that staff, and got hired on here for for a graduate assistant position. And at the time, I really wanted to, you know, finish up my degree, uh, teaching degree. I had physical education, non-teaching, and so during my time as a GA, a student taught and was a running backs coach, and that was really hard. There was almost too much on my plate, and I did it to myself. But extremely thankful for that opportunity and was here for our first national championship at the FCS level coach and the running backs and can't, you know, obviously thank that staff enough for allowing me to, to learn and grow and just be thrust into that position. Yeah, but finished my student teaching that following spring. And then Kevin Feeney, who's a all-time great up here at NDSU had offered me a position to, to, coach and be a full-time teacher at Morehead High School and 
you know, in the profession, you know, just financially, you do have to make sacrifices. And this was just a, an opportunity for me to have a position and, and coordinate the defense at a high school level. And honestly, I truly think it helped me as far as just being a coach, because you need to break down and, you know, just teach the base fundamentals and be able to communicate and teach. And I think that helped me in the position that I'm in now. Um, so extremely thankful to, to, to coach Feeney for those couple years. And, uh, once coach Kleiman got the head job here in 2014, called me up, you know, was, was in touch with him and Tim Polisek, who was my position coach at NDSU, who's now the offensive line coach at, at, at Iowa. He was the offense had just got the offense coordinator job here and got the, uh, tight ends fullbacks coach here. Um, so did that for five years was thankful to be a part of, you know, quite a few national championships there and saying that with no ego at all. But during my time, it just put more was put on my plate as far as special teams, the NFL liaison, et cetera, et cetera. And then when Coach Kleiman and and some of the guys went to Kansas State, Coach Entz got the head coaching job and asked if I'd be the offensive coordinator. And uh, here I am and and extremely thankful for, for for this role that I'm in and have surrounded myself with unbelievable people and looking forward to, to continuing to try to do things better than ever before here at NDSU. And, you know, unfortunately with spring ball going, you know, not being able to have practice, but, you know, looking forward to build on what we did in 2019. Interesting. You tried to slide in the A-gap power for that triple option team. And, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it definitely comes through that you take a lot of pride in, in uh, playing that position. As I mentioned to you before we got going, like just a, a, a position that for a long time kind of went out of style. I remember people talking about NFL standing for no fullbacks left, right? You weren't even seeing those guys in the NFL and and now they've made a, a comeback almost at every level. So it's it's great to see, you know, that passion for it. And I know we have a lot of questions in regard to that and to, you know, get things started here. I got a, a question from uh, coach Mark Manning from St. Louis, Missouri, and he wants to know about culture cues what are the day-to-day coaching points and difference makers that allow North Dakota State to dominate year in and year out yeah you know I think the biggest thing is you know we through the recruiting process and just you get to know kids and you know the biggest thing we're not going to do in recruiting is just make sure we're looking at kids with five stars, four stars, et cetera. They got to fit our culture. They got to fit what we do up here and just making sure we're getting the right kids in the program. You know, kids that want to work hard, kids that, you know, once they do get on campus, I mean, they're, they're able to put their ego aside and do what's for the best of the program. You know, offensively, the, the kids that we get, we want, you know, tough, smart, physical kids, because our goal, number one, is to be the most physical group in the nation. Uh, I think the way we practice, you know, the way we work, our work ethic, just we double rep. So during fall camp and spring ball, we double rep our team sessions, meaning we split our team in half. We split our coaching staff in half. We've got the same script of plays on each end of of the field. Um and we're running those plays. So guys are, you know, you're not telling the kid, hey, make sure you're back here and just watching. Make sure you're watching him take these, you know, however many reps. Guys are in there doing it. So you're able to build a ton of depth. 
and uh, the mindset of we're going to work and we're going to work against, in my opinion, the best defense in FCS football. Um, so it's it's the the thought of hey iron sharpens iron and we're going to make each other better. Offense is making the defense better. Defense is making the offense better. And then lastly, I truly think our strength coach Jim Kramer, who's been here, you know, since shoot since I was a player, a guy who's I mean he's unbelievable. He's going to kick you in the butt when you need to get going. He's going to put his arm around you when you're doing a great job. He's all in as far as what we want out of our football team as far as physicality, tough, hard workers. And he's been a big reason our culture has been, you know, consistent. His message has been consistent with it through our coaches. Coach Entz has stepped in and done an unbelievable job of, you know, NDSU football has stayed NDSU football. But I think those factors are, you know, the reason we've been able to maintain some consistency and been able to win some ball games year in and year out. Coach, getting a little bit then into your philosophy, uh, Coach Adam Wilson from Georgia just wanted to know what's your overall offensive philosophy? Yeah, you know, number one, you know, even this offseason, we, we made some sweatshirts for, uh, for a few select uh, offensive players and, and guys that, you know, really – did what we asked him to do. And then there was one word on the front of the sweatshirt. It was physical. Number one offensively on all of our position coaches, tips and reminders is going to be, we will be the most physical position group and then physical unit in the nation. That's our goal. And we're going to do it through, like I said, I mean, just continuing to tell these kids through the recruiting process, through everything they do about NDSU football, we're going to be physical. We're going to run the ball. We're going to physically dominate the opponent. That is our goal. All 11 from the receivers and at times they get called perimeter Rams, but coach Pauly this year done an unbelievable job with that group. Most talented group. I think we've had in my time here at, at NDSU. They're going to be physical. The quarterbacks can be physical tight ends, fullbacks, running back. And then obviously the Rams up front, the O-line need to be the most physical guys on the field. That's all about the ball. You can't turn the football over time of possession. Uh, the most, the more fresh our defense can be, the better we will have, the the percentage of us winning goes up. So take care of the football and just be, be really efficient in the passing game. And I want to say the last two or three years, we've led the FCS in passing efficiency and just taking what the defense gives us. I think those three things are critical to our success. And the goal we look for is a number that we use for a standard here at NDSU that we traced back to early 2000s is the number 50. If our rushes plus completions are at 50 or above, our winning percentage is extremely high. I'm talking 98, 99%. So if we're able to run the football and complete a few passes, uh, stay on the field, uh, we talk about a softening process of the defense. I mean, just being able to, you know, pound the rock and get, you know, four, five, six, two, those runs will turn into 10, 12, 20, so those are things that we look for for our keys to victory to win a ball game and then have a, you know, a balanced attack and, um, you know, just, you know, our tempo, our tempo isn't one where we're going to go extremely fast. We can get in and out of no huddle. We can get to different tempos, but we're going to huddle. Um, we're going to, we're going to use our time of possession uh, to our advantage to keep our defense fresh. With that number 50 in the rushes is, are there any, 
numbers you're looking for in that 50, or is it just the, the rushes count towards that number? Just a, a rush. I mean, truly just a rush and a completion. That Those are the, the tallies, and that's going to be 50 or above for us to win the ball game. And there's there's a few instances where it's just kind of ironic where you get to 47 or 48 and you still win, but that's very that's not that doesn't happen very often. Um, just you know by stance you're just not running a lot of plays and you're able to have you know short series that turn into potentially explosive plays and touchdowns. But uh, for us to be successful, that number's got to be at 50 or above. Uh, our next question comes from Coach Kelly in Morgantown, West Virginia, and. His question was, how do you effectively use so many formations so efficiently while only running a handful of concepts? Yeah, you know, that's that's a goal of ours as far as, you know, being able to be extremely multiple, extremely diverse in the amount of formations we use, personnel we use, shift, trade, motion, all of those things. We can be extremely multiple. But to us, inside of NDSU football, we're simple. Uh, so uh, terminology that we use, our defense use, multiple simplicity, being able to do our base things, our base drop back, quick game, play action, screens, run game, whether it be gap scheme, zone scheme, we need to be able to do all of that out of you know X amount of formations per week, add the shift trade motion to it. So to muddy up some you know, pictures to, to the defense, but it's extremely simple to us. And our guys just truly teaching the, the base fundamentals of the run game, the base fundamentals of the pass game, so they can cut it loose and play extremely fast. Coach Dale Harrison from Washington had a couple more questions on the structure, the formations, the movement part of it. And first one was, how do you marry your spread formations with, you know, a smash mouth pro style offense that you're able to still tr- stay true to that philosophy because you talked about, you know, right up front, we're going to be physical, we're going to be tough, you know, still have that mentality while being able to spread it out a little bit. Yeah, I still think, you know, to be able to find whether it's different fronts, different box structures through game planning, we can still get to, you know, our downhill running game, whether it's just being in 11 personnel shotgun and still being able to run our a-gap power because we have a lighter box so our guys understand that you know if power's called we're running power we can run power out of you know a a pistol delta three back set Uh, we can run power out of you know uh, we could get out of 11 personnel out of you know 22 personnel we can still be in gun we can still we can be in 21 personnel but have two running backs on the field and still run power all of our guys need to know the rules and principles of what are asked for each scheme, where the scheme wants to hit, what their job entails, and how to effectively perform it at an extremely high level. And it's as a coaching staff, we need to make sure we're just continuing to put our guys in a position to be successful to help us win. You know, a big deal was made about the 49ers this year and the amount of shifts and motions they use. And I know a lot of coaches who – went to you know that fast tempo we're going to get in uh, two by two or three by one you know they're looking to add more of those hybrids they're also looking to utilize more shifts and motions and uh, coach harrison also wanted to know 
how do you go about calling your motions and shifts? I think I've had a lot of coaches with that. I remember Matt Drinkle and I going through some different ways to do that when we were at our national conference in Louisville just last month. So I think there's always something to be learned here to be able to keep it concise and succinct and not overburden players with terminology to get in the shift. But how do you guys do that? Yeah, for sure. And I'm a huge fan, you know, uh, with this time being able to watch some NFL film that you don't really get to in the fall. What the 49ers are huge fan of what they do, the Ravens. But you know, for us, we just we have terminology and and words. You know, with us being a a huddle team, we can just communicate all that off the wristband. Use uh, just jump as jump and trade as trade. Uh, we've got a couple things that you know we we've got terms that can get us, you know, in a spread formation and then reduce us to a, a condensed formation or I formation. Cause we could be spread out in 13 personnel and then come into a, you know, a, you know, three tight end nub side formation with a receiver split out. We could start in a condensed I formation or old school Maryland I formation and explode out to a spread formation. You know, we've got some, some terms that, include a a jump or a trade and a motion or just some other small tags that may alert someone to get to a final formation uh, put that player in a position to be successful to execute that scheme that is called so we we call everything we we have certain words or tags that allow our guys to get in a position to be successful for whatever is called for that that scheme he also had a question about overload formations, you know, using those, practicing those, probably even, you know, how do you, how do you decide like, you know, this is the overload we want to use this week, et cetera. What, what things, I guess, are you looking for that you might find an advantage? Uh, I mean, if, if you're getting to, um, you know, overload on balance formations, what are you seeing in, in game planning? Is it an odd front or a zero nose and then you're getting to, you know, a potential overload on balance where they're having to knock the front to get, so then you're really getting almost a four down front. Are they able to adjust to the overload? If you shift and then get to an overload, are they adjusting back to it? Are they realizing that? How are they, how is the defense identifying the overload? Where are you able to gain numbers or where are you short? Where are they short? What kind of box structure can you get to, you know, if you're able to get to, you know, a, a backer removed from the box, you know, all those things play into, you know, determining, you know, what overload formations we use on a week to week basis and then potentially using, you know, the, the jet motion, you know, to, for potential power read or potential zone read out of it, just where is the defense short? That's how we determine, you know, through game planning, you know, where are they short if we are using, you know, an unbalanced or overload set and how how is the front or linebackers adjusting to to that formation? Those things are, are truly critical to our success. We'll use quite a few, you know, not quite a few, but let's just say four to five a week. And that's that's a that's a chunk of our game planning where we're we're gonna invest as far as how are they adjusting to those overload formations. Yeah, that's something. Um, when you do it, I know you have to go in and and kind of maybe even study the structure of their defense and understand how they might adjust. How much time do you spend on uh, thinking about 
you know, their potential adjustments or in general uh, adjustments that you might see over the course of the season when you get into an overload and you really haven't seen it on film from anybody else? Yeah, it gets hard. And then, you know, you really got to predict. And there, there are instances where we get to that. As a coach, you truly want to see it for yourself. How are they going to align or how have they aligned? And, and sometimes, you know, you, you do predict and this is what they've done to this unbalanced set. So you, you know, just based off knowledge of, of what they've done or what they've done in the past, if it's a common opponent, this is what they did maybe uh, two seasons ago, or you can go back and look at, you know, just dig through some film, but you know, just use your, your own football IQ to predict on how they're going to align to those certain formations. So it provides a benefit to your guys to be in a position to be successful. As I mentioned, a lot of these guys have some questions about the fullback position and tight end position. And, you know, these, this has come up really with a couple of our tight end fullback type coaches here. And uh, this one's from Scoop Reed. And he wants to know, how do you practice the tight end and fullback you know, hybrid type guys who, who are, you know, doing run, they're doing pass. How do you get them enough of the pass and run game reps within what you do in your individual team, et cetera? Yeah, I love it. This is the wheelhouse. You know, from, from being a fullback myself, for my first two years at NDSU, I just, I love the position. And the biggest thing here at NDSU, I think it's, it's a huge benefit to us to have all those guys in the same room as far as meeting, hearing the same message, hearing the same coaching points. Out on the practice field for individual, and we do a lot of individual time here at NDSU to work on the base fundamentals, you know, coaching points. Sometimes, you know, the tight ends and, and, and fullbacks will go with the tackles and work some combination, et cetera, go with the quarterbacks, but we're always together. They all need to be able to do, you know, the fullbacks need to be able to do some inline stuff, you know, on the ball tight end stuff. Now, how often will they do that in a game? Nah, probably not a ton. But when we practice and we double rep and we take as much repetition as, as we do, they need to be able to do everything. So we make sure that all those guys can play inline, can play flexed, can play in the backfield, truly in the dot as a, as a fullback. So they rep everything together they all need to be able to kick out power they all need to be able to be on the front side of you know our outside power our outside zone our pin pull scheme so you know as as a coaching staff for for us to have all those guys in the same position as far as group together i think it's a huge benefit and then just making sure through a week that you know we personnel a lot of that stuff so maybe it's x whatever personnel to make sure we're putting the guys who have those best fundamentals or the, the talent, you know, to be flexed out or in line the most, we put those guys in the, that position, you know, on during the week, mostly I'm saying out of spring ball, out of fall camp, but when we're in the season, they're make, they're doing the things that they can do the best um, and just putting them in a position to, to help the, the team the most. So it's more by personnel and making sure in practice, they're getting the reps that they need to be successful. Getting into a little of that fullback technique, and you mentioned the, the kick out on power and coach offensive coordinator from Marysville, Kansas, Mitchell Shepard, wanted to know about the techniques and drills that you use to teach a kick out block. Yep, I love it. Okay, so our, our true 
A-gap power. You know, the fullback, he's got the biggest job. You know, I, I truly I truly believe that. You know, the, the O-line, making sure they're absolutely removing the A-gap is huge and crucial. But if you do not land a kick out and able, have the ability to kick out the C-gap, you can't run the play. So from a fullback standpoint, he's going to gain ground right on the midline of the guard. He's going to step downhill about six inches. Okay, He's going to bring his second step with him, all the while trying to keep his shoulder square, not rising up, exceeding his, his pad level. His hips need to exceed the defender's hips. Okay, So he is absolutely sprinting for the midline of the playside guard. Okay, The playside guard and tackle are trying to absolutely remove whatever's in the B-gap, A-gap. Okay, so he's going to trust and scrape paint off the the play side tackle to kick out whatever's off of his hip. Okay, so he's sprinting, he's he's gaining ground with his first step, bringing his second step with him, and then at the point of contact, okay, he's going to be same foot, same shoulder. His near foot, his play side foot needs to go down really the midline or the crotch of the defensive end. Okay, his his shoulder pad needs to be under the chin of the defensive end. He needs to stay square because if he gets turned, if his hip or if he gets turned at all, he's not strong. You need to be square. Square is strong to us. Exceed pad level of the defensive end. Stay square. Same foot, same shoulder on contact, and run your feet and sprint the you know lift the defensive end out of there. Better to obviously show off a film, but those would be the base teaching points that I would give uh, the fullback. You can't get spilled. Nothing matters outside of the kickout. If he lands the kickout, nothing matters. So he's got the biggest job. He needs to stay, you know, tight. Uh, trust that the play side guard and tackler, they're, they're going to get movement out of their gap. He's going to scrape paint, be paper thin. Um, but once he gets to you know, attacking the B to win the C and exceeding pad level and running his feet on contact, we got to remove and eject that defensive end. Now, does that path that he's taking, does that, you know, eliminate some of, you know, what the wrong armor is trying to do or are there certain things you're looking for against those wrong arm techniques? Yeah, no, I mean, that's where, that's where it gets really difficult on us. When you get hard spill, wrong arm DNs who are almost, you know, sometimes we'll see defensive ends that are almost losing ground on their side of the line of scrimmage to wrong arm or fullbacks. So the the biggest thing, and for us to stay square, you know, working on that that J path to win our gap. If we're getting wrong, it stay square and then absolutely ISO the defensive end. You want to put your face in. You still exceed pad level state, still staying a good athletic, you know, with good demeanor and sprint through that defensive end and just eject him north, you know, keeping coverage. If we get turned at all and we there, there gets color in that gap, you know, then we lose. So we need to stay square and then it almost turns into an ISO and just continue to drive and uh, remove that defensive end or whoever's in C gap. Yeah, that, that's a good coaching point. I, I like that there. I'm building off of the, the fullback position. Adam Wilson had a question about everyday drills for tight ends and fullbacks. What kind of stuff are you doing every day with those guys? Yeah, biggest thing is just, you know, what, what what's the footwork necessary that we need to execute, you know, whether it's on our pin pull, whether it's on, um, you know, our backside cutoff of, um, you know, inside zone, front side, outside zone, um, just our base, 
individual blocks that we need to continue to rep to be successful. Uh, I'll work, you know, route combat. Uh, we use the tight ends quite a bit in, you know, our, our quick game and definitely have been a, a huge target for us in the red zone with, you know, I think 16 to 18 touchdowns down in the red zone this year. So continuing to work on route combat, top of the route, you know, some of our small adjustments with man coverage, zone coverage, and, and you know, just continuing to work the top of the route so they can transition. I still think, you know, some of the everyday stuff, as you go through a season, and again, not saying this with an ego, but we've been able to play until the beginning of uh, January. We need to, and I want to, train our guys just, you know, staying athletic. So we'll get, you know, we'll do different things through the agility bags and in those big hand pads and just make sure they're, um, you know, working different things with, with, with the route combat stuff and shoot. I mean, it may look like almost football camp out there, just making sure we're working on staying athletic and being able to bend and move and change direction in it. Uh, like even just wave drill stuff they do with our strength and conditioning coach I'm doing in some of our individual drill early, you know, to create some sweat, to make sure they're, they're loose and ready to go. And, you know, not tight for, for our practice, but making sure that they're able to stay athletic through the duration of a long season. What's been unique in this this comeback of the fullback position is, you know, as they come back into use, for a lot of teams, that fullback was like the extra guard. Now these guys are very dynamic. You know, you, you see, uh, you know, the Niners fullback and what he's able to do and just some of these other guys like really stress a defense. So Coach Jordan Ersick, who's at Syracuse High School in Kansas, Want to know what unique ways you have to utilize fullbacks in the pass game? You know, some of our just downhill power, we got the power pass off of it. You know, he's he's selling like he's kicking out the power, bypassing or bluffing the defensive end, getting out to the flat. That's something that's probably been, you know, it it was let's just say. 2014 to 17 just the personnel we had wasn't you know we weren't able to stretch you know the defense laterally and get someone up to the flat as quick this year we've got a kid who you know rushed for I don't know 80 touchdowns in 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 high school who's a really good player was only a freshman last year probably caught 20 balls in the flat you know that that's probably the biggest way the best way you know, and some of our just stick concept under center, quick game, getting them out to the flat, you know, doing some downhill power action and sending the sending the fullback right up the middle of the field. You get those, you know, able to pull the safeties out of there in some sort of cover four, and then you've got that linebacker in a conflict and that, you know, whether it's a sell and a you know, an isolation to bypass and slip to send the send the fullback right up the right up the middle of the field has been okay for us. But the biggest way is just for us to get the fullback out to the flat office and play action. I got some questions. You've mentioned power here a few times now. So we do have some questions about power. Of course, you guys have become known for that. We got a, a some great articles we put together on, on our website about the power run game and, and stuff we've seen you guys do. But coach Eric Becker wants to know about running power out of two tight end sets. What are some of the, the keys you're looking for as far as 
what side to run that to in the look, coaching points, et cetera. Yeah. You know, I, I always think the best, you know, through game planning, you know, what are you able to, how are you able to pull someone out of the box? You know, so whether it's getting into a slot formation where they got to try to cover down number two, you know, how, how are you able to get the lightest box possible? You know, and, and those are the biggest things that as a staff we're looking for to, to run the football, you know, so if some of the, in some of those two tight end sets, whether it's 12 personnel or 21 personnel, you know, those are the biggest things that we look for. And, you know, even in, you know, 22 personnel, I know it's two tight end set, but having an also a fullback in there, you know, what fronts are you able to, again, you know, they may cover down the tight end, be right on the line of scrimmage, able to get to, you know, a lighter interior box, you know, so they may rotate the Sam to an under front and have a four, two box and still have the ability to run against a lighter box. Those are the things that we're looking to run. They got power out of two, two tight end set. Yeah. It's funny because, you know, people like to look at numbers and just base thing on numbers doesn't exactly tell you whether this something should be, you know, Oh, wow. Look at all these guys they got in the box. You have to think about how you're stressing them. And I can remember a game when I was coaching at, at Baldwin Wallace, where we were, we were facing a team that had everybody underneath 10 yards, but we were doing some things with motion and, you know, with a keeper where, I mean, honestly, wing T concept, you're attacking both flanks, both perimeters with, you know, a sweep thread or a sweep to one side, naked thread or naked to one side. And you got that play up the middle And because of that, because of how players have to play their gap responsibility, especially if they tighten down so that the reaction has to be a lot quicker, you know, we almost turned it into back to like a three, two box that you would see against a, a, you know, a two by two spread formation. So it's not all about, you know, just saying, oh, well, spread allows you numbers because there's, there's some numbers you could get into with two tight ends and even fullbacks in the game. For sure. For sure, and those are just the some of the biggest things that you know through game planning that you know we're gonna we're gonna try to find the best ways to get numbers as far as you know in in, in the run game, and then okay, let's load the box and you know try to find ways to get the get the ball out to the perimeter as well. Couple details on the power play, Coach Nate Schallenberger has a question about. It. He says it looks like the guard is reading. Uh, when he pulls on power on film, uh, in other words, slow pull so that he can come back to the backside A. How do you get that taught or drilled and what he's looking for? And, you know, obviously it's a, a great play for combating down and around inside linebackers who chase the puller. Yeah. And, you know, the biggest thing is I think offensively for us up front to Stay square. Like I said, I think square is strong. And for us to be masters of moving the line of scrimmage, we got to stay square. So for the the backside guard to pull on power, he's going to stay square. He's going to kick off the line of scrimmage. And because it's a square shuffle pull, have some good tempo to it. So he's going to, um, you know, kick off the, the line of scrimmage and stay in good demeanor, his knees bent, his ankles, his hips, his He's got a good reverse arc. His his eyes and chin, chin is up, and it's shuffle, shuffle. And he understands that if, and it's a big if because we don't want it to happen, if 
the fullback doesn't land the kick out. He's got he's got to be the one who double bumps it and cleans it up. So he's going to stay tight to to the down blocks, understanding that if the fullback doesn't get it kicked out, he's going to be the double bump. But then he's going to keep his eyes on his backer and stay tight. Now all of these, I mean, yeah, we do have ID points on who everyone's working to, but really it's all spots. Everyone is absolutely sprinting through spots. So he's going to keep his eyes on his backer, but stay tight and be inside of the inside of the kickout, okay, outside of the the double team. And his biggest rule is to be able to once he does decide to go north, he is sprinting. Um, and his biggest thing is he can't get spilled either. You know, there's coaching points to the play as far as where we want the ball to hit. But he, when he goes to block his linebacker, he's got to get his eyes and everything inside through the inside half of uh, the linebacker that he blocks. He, so is he really reading anything? No, he's on his track. And he is absolutely doing everything he, de- he can to, if there is color at the line of scrimmage, he's got to be the one who cleans it up and double bumps through his assignment to his linebacker. And then he just absolutely sprinting. When he decides to go north, he is sprinting through his assignment. Uh, a, a practice question here on the power. Luke Menzel, who is uh, an assistant coach at Cedar Grove Belgium High School yeah, in Wisconsin. Yeah, I think – you know, we don't get with to the offensive do line. this a ton during the season, but definitely try to do it, you know, when we are full padded or for for sure half padded, um, just doing half line. And we'll do that almost every other practice and um, make sure we're hitting our base schemes, whether it's our, you know, our power or something off of the power or, or any of our zone schemes or pin pull and just doing our, our base schemes off half line. And I think it needs to be almost in a team setting to rep, rep the, the power and make sure everyone get, gets the right pictures. Um, I think just to, you know, to work the, the lateral combination with the O line is, is really good to work the individual stuff with the fullback is good. Um, but for, to do it in a, in a half line setting, is the best for us and to be able to go against our defense and you know the ones will be against the ones and we're working half line and we're i mean it's rapid fire from you know the left hash is running some of our left left plays and the right hash is running you know our 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 right-handed plays and we're rolling and um i think to just to do it in a in a half line setting um is the best and you know allow the defense to um do some movement you know, whether it's uh, internal movement with their D-line or some sort of pressure, you know, off of, you know, maybe full sliding the D-line, sticking their gaps and, and whatnot, but just to give us continually, uh, give us different pictures for our base schemes. Just so we're, our guys are, you know, rules and principles. You know, you're working through your gap. Never pass opposite color jersey to get another color jersey. Always block the first level first, then you have a a greater chance to have a successful play. Um, Don't go trying to chase something else. You know, just what are the rules and principles of play? Okay. And now I'm going to not pass color to get color. So if my ID, if whoever I'm going to is five yards, you know, downfield and someone else has crossed my face, well, I got to block that. And I truly think those things, the things that we preach um, allowed us to, 
you know, we didn't have very, very many negative plays at all this year, or, you know, the, the turnovers. I mean, I think we only had six turnovers this year, just not having extra hats on the ball carrier, you know, especially at the mesh point or right at the line of scrimmage. So always blocking first level first, but those are things that have helped us in the run game as far as just working half line and rapid fire and then coaching it off the film as well. You had a follow-up question on the the running back and, you know, especially if you think about that, maybe that freshman back who comes in and didn't run power at his high school. Um, what, what kind of things are you doing to teach him that play and the vision and, you know, the cut, the acceleration he has to have on that play? Yeah, the first thing would be is if you decide to bounce it, you're probably not going to play a whole lot. <laughs> um, but, you know, obviously just coming from the stance and alignment, seven and a half, you know, especially if the, if the quarterback is, is under center and whichever direction that we're going, let's just say we're going to the right, he's going to get off the midline with a six-inch aggressive step off the midline. And then he is absolutely sprinting downhill. And if, you know, some of these kids, if we got to deepen them up a little bit, we may do that. But this thing is an absolute sprint. And he is sprinting through the play side A gap. For a coaching point, would say, you know, if you could find the, the inside hip of the pulling guard, would be a benefit to you. Read keys and all that, there really ain't a whole lot of read keys. And for me playing the position, I am sprinting through the front side, play side A gap. If it isn't there, I'm taking it backside right now. Those are truly the teaching points. It's almost like you've got two trains that are, are passing in the night and this thing just opens up and you've got to just absolutely accelerate through the smoke. And it, it's a downhill play. It's running your knees through through traffic, through through contact. But the biggest thing for him to be successful, he's got to get off the midline out of his with his first step. He can't just split and come downhill because then he'll run right into the quarterback and then it's everything. He's got to bubble. You got to get off the midline. I'd say stay on and inside the hip of the pulling guard, front side A to back side A and sprint. Don't you an arm tackle can't take you down. You got to be able to win a one on one, two once you get to the backside safety. Go score a touchdown. Have fun with it. You know, Coach Adam Wilson had a good question here about game planning. And his question is when game planning, what's the first three things that stick out to you about a defense? Yeah. You know, I think the biggest thing is, you know, where are their strengths? Where are their dudes? Okay. Where are their weaknesses? Where can you attack their weaknesses? That's probably first and foremost, just off of personnel and knowing what they have. What's their base structure? Are they, are they three down? Are they four down? Are they multiple? You know, what, what are the things that we like first four down compared to three down and make sure that we're emphasizing that and making sure we're getting the communication from, you know, our center and quarterback to, to everyone else as far as these are the things that we like against these fronts. You know, and then are they are they a, a field alignment defense? Do they always just have uh, these players to the field and these players to the boundary? How are they setting their defense? Are they are they calling the strength to the tight end always? Are they calling the strength to the pass, passing strength? And then what are what are their top you know two three base pressures? You know, and then with those pressures or with those fronts, what's the you know, top, you know, three, four coverages that they're going to be in. Are they always a, a Tampa two? Are they a high man coverage? You know, what are, you know, what's the base defense that we're going to see? Okay. And we may game plan for that and just understanding, you know, knowing 
that defense could change in a heartbeat. I mean, you could game plan for a far down and come out and they're coming out and double eagle, cover zero, and always having answers. So, you know, as we communicate and, you know, talk through the week, just the what ifs, what if, what if, what if. But you got to understand what you see on film is what you got to trust and game plan from that standpoint. Staying in, in that idea of game planning, Coach Shepard wanted to know what you look for in the short yardage and goal line situations. What what kind of things go into game planning those? Yeah, you know, knowing we're going to be in probably some sort of heavy personnel, three tight ends, you know, sometimes, you know, three tight ends and an extra alignment or two extra alignment, have an alignment at fullback, you know, all those things, just what are the top fronts or just even the base goal line package that a defense is going to have? Is it, is it, you know, a, a, again, a, a double Eagle front? Is it, you know, having five or six uh, defensive linemen that they're going to have on the, on the field? Uh, where are they the weakest, you know, even personnel wise, where can you get one yard of movement and be masters at moving the line of scrimmage at that weak opponent to get your yard or your two yards to score a touchdown? You know, what can you do off of your, you know, maybe what you've already put on film through the season off of a run to maybe have a play action or some sort of play action off of some things that you've already done. How does that fit? against what you're seeing on film for for this week you know and maybe you don't have to or maybe you're not liking the pictures that you're getting out of a heavy personnel a goal line formation and being able to get into an 11 personnel how are they covering down the receivers how you know are they just is a man coverage and you know you're just going to say your guy is better than their guy and you know throw a fade ball you know, something we haven't done a ton of, but I think we've got some personnel where we can do that. You know, so those are the those are the top things, you know. We're going to look at how can we run the ball effectively and get a yard and be masters at moving the point of attack there. Um, and then, you know, what have we put on film where we can potentially do something off of it that still fits? And then, you know, where can we get our guys in a position to be successful, maybe to create separation in a route concept? We've got a couple more questions here for you as we wrap this up on the passing game. And Coach Menzel wanted to know, what is your base back, drop back passing game? Yeah, you know, the, the, the things that we have found to be the most successful and, you know, for our quarterback who was a redshirt freshman last year who, you know, played well enough to get the Walter Payton Award, Trey Lance, who's an unbelievable kid, Marshall, Minnesota kid. And for him to play the fastest, we all have trust in him to put the ball in the right position. We've just found that in our drop back pass game, full field concepts are the best for him to be able to, okay, identify this is the coverage. This is where I got to go with the ball. Uh, this is what we're seeing. This is what we're going to get. This is where I need to go with the ball. Those things have allowed him to play extremely fast and confident. And, um, you know, again, just all the trust in the world that he's going to take care of the football. So, you know, you're looking at just our base, you know, drive concept, flanker drive with a 12-yard basic in behind it, getting the tailback to burst opposite, and then potentially even having, you know, what two-man game to the field. You know, just number one running a, a vertical and number two running a uh, a 12-yard out. 
you know, and being able to switch those based off coverage, if it's man coverage, getting a man beater out there through game planning or some a, a different zone beater, that's probably number one thing we're going to look at. You know, four verts has been a benefit to us. Um, curl flat concept, you know, just things where our guys, even if it's man coverage, being able to win on a curl, selling the vertical, throwing by and being able to win at the top of the route, or Tampa 2 just taking the sit all day in the middle of the field, just being able to throw it to our tight ends and getting five, six, seven yards at a time. Those are probably the top three, you know, and we've got a couple different full field concepts off of the drive that we can get to. Full field mesh is something that we've, you know, been able to run effectively, efficiently on, on some of our third down settings. If we're getting a high probability of man coverage, doesn't have to be, but that's where we found it to be the most successful for us in different things we can do, you know, with two man games to the field as far as, you know, trying to win versus man coverage as well. But full field concepts we feel have been the best to us. And, you know, off of those three, four concepts, maybe being able to do them out of, you know, even 22 personnel, 13 personnel, you know, 10 personnel we got in a snap. We even had a couple snaps of 40 personnel having four running backs on the field being able to do those out of every shift trade motion formation personnel so our guys can play fast and still again hard for a defense but having our base full field concepts is what's been the most successful for us offensively and obviously you got to protect those coach harrison had a, a question on that as far as what you take into a game week to week how many how many protections do you usually like to include yeah, you know, our base drop back, just the, the, the man side and the in the zone side, the slide side, um, that's our, our, our biggest drop back. You know, quick game, full slide. So two, you're going to have a form of play action off your power, whether it's getting the full back out to the flat or keeping the full back in for protection. So that's three. Um, our power read has probably been one of our most explosive, efficient run plays that we've had over the last two to three years having a play action off of that four and then you know the duo play that has been run that was really efficient really effective for us coach aj blazik who was at Rutgers, who's done an unbelievable job with our offensive line last year you know is to brought that to ndsu and we ran that at a high level so having a play action off that i'd say anywhere from five to six honestly knowing that we need to be able to cover all of our bases versus exotic pressures with our with our drop back pass and then having the ability to have that protection and getting the tailback out free as well. So having an empty off of it. So not trying to be too exotic in protection because the biggest thing is being efficient in the passing game, being able to protect the quarterback and keeping the quarterback upright. So not having too many exotic protections to where we can protect everyone and just being able to have our rules and principles to, to be able to efficiently throw the football. And our, our last listener question here is, is from Mitchell Shepard again. And I think this one will warm your heart a little bit. He said, what advice would you give in making the fullback great again? Oh, I love it. <laughs> uh, just making sure, you know, continuing to, you know, have them just be an absolute physical downhill presence, throwing them a token every once in a while, whether it's getting the ball in the flat. My goal, so Quick story, Garrett Malstrom, Frazee, Minnesota, was an O-lineman, D-lineman in uh, in high school. Uh, Frazee, small town right down Highway 10. And so Garrett, 
you know, he didn't catch a ball until his senior year. I got him a couple, we got him a couple, you know, receptions out in the flat. My goal was to get that kid a touchdown and just continue to find ways for them to, you know, they are truly an extension of the O-line. And to give them, you know, throw them a bone to make the fullback great again, to get them in the end zone. My goal was to get him a touchdown, and I couldn't couldn't do it this year. You know, so, you know, even having the old school fullback trap or fullback belly on the one-yard line or just, you know, we had a, the other fullback who um, scored a, a million touchdowns in high school. He got two uh, in the flat. But, you know, I'd still think getting the ball in their hands, you know, because everyone does see them as a true, you know, blocker going to isolate you, going to kick out the power, going to get out on the perimeter on, on pin pole or outside zone, but finding ways to get the ball in their hands and, you know, have them, let them have a little bit of glory in the end zone. I think that, you know, internal, have everyone see the fullback in a, in a different light. And you're, you're seeing that with the fullback in San Francisco. He's an, he's a specimen. He's a really good blocker, catches the ball well, they scored a couple of touchdowns, scored one in the in the Super Bowl, if I remember correctly. That is if we're able to do that, the fullback will be great again. It's just finding the right the right guys who have that mindset of I'm gonna kick your butt blocking, but I'm also gonna be a threat out in the flat. Coach, you shared a, a lot of great technical and tactical stuff here, and we really appreciate that. My last question for you is all the things you do as a coach, what's the one thing you'd say that really gives your players the winning edge? Yeah, I, I think it's our mindset. As a coaching staff, we're, you know, we're in the business of being great teachers, but I think on our staff, we've got great people. And we have a genuine appreciation for all of the players that we come in contact with. But for myself, being a great teacher and just, it's a people business. And if you can't connect, truly connect, I'm talking about, I just use the, the thought process of, you know, the cell phone bars. If you've got one bar with a player, you're not, you're not going to be able to connect and put them in a position to be successful because they're not going to go the extra length for you. And you're, you're just your whole line of communication, that, that service, that cell phone service, those one, two, three, four bars. If you've got four bars, a kid with a kid, he's going to go the extra mile. He's going to, he's going to dive into every single word that you're telling him he's going to then probably go and turn and get the other guys to rally around. This thing's all about connection. If you can connect with your players, if you can connect with them on a day-to-day basis and more just about football, they will go the extra mile and be ultra competitive and ultra successful for you on Saturday. And it's not having a fake connection. You got this. It's got to be real and you got to have trust in one another and trust and even connection within your staff. And I think that's what we've all been able to do is put our ego aside, work together, have, you know, humble blue collar guys who have a work ethic, guys who have the mindset of, you know, we get to double rep as a coaching staff. That's a lot on us of watching extra film, but we get to do those things and we don't have to do this. We get to do this to try to do things better than they have been, been it done before in this special place with great people and look forward to continuing to try to win more good ball games in the future. Coach Roll, how can our listeners connect with you if they have more questions? Yeah, I, I think Twitter is the easiest. Just at Ty Roll, T-Y. R O E H L. That's the biggest thing. Seriously, send in this time 
we're all in, 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 in weird times with, with this pandemic going on. And I've reached out to a few I've, I've reached out to and gotten in a hold of a couple NFL coaches and looking forward to, I mean, if this thing, you know, goes on for, for a week or so, just how can we, you know, as a, as a coaching, whatever you want to call it, how can we help each other? How can we invest into each other and help each other grow, answer each other's questions so we can all become the best coaches, the best people that we can be and turn this negative into a positive. So Twitter is the biggest thing as far as just sending direct message, follow, you know, as, as we've got time, just I'm more than willing to help people, you know, at all levels, you know, to, and I'm not Vince Lombardi, but what's been able to, to help myself, our program, you know, be successful is what I'll be able to help and share with. Well, Coach, uh, that's what this podcast is about all year round, but especially during this time. And I really appreciate you taking the time here. And thank you also to all our listeners for the great questions. And, you know, I can't do it without you and I can't do it without the listeners. So I want to thank both of you. No, thank you. And thank you for doing this for all of us in this time. And if there's anything more that we can do, we will. But really appreciative of, of the content that you're putting out there for us. Coaches, again, I want to remind you of what we're doing with the football development model. Please push this down to your youth coaches. I think this is a great way for you to get some organization and structure beyond what you've already done. Uh, check it out, all of our, our program development for youth football at fdm.usafootball.com. Again, check out our systems for blocking, tackling, and defeating blocks at footballdevelopment.com. If you register with your email, you get your choice of three free videos. There's some great things in there. I think things that as you get going again, you can get into the summer and maybe make up on some things that you might have lost if you had a spring ball, if you had time here in the spring to work on football. Some great drills for all those phases of contact. If you're enjoying the podcast, please have it over to iTunes or your platform and give us a five-star rate. If you have a minute, write a review. We really appreciate it, and we will read your review on our highlight show that we do at the end of the week.